So if y'all want to be turning in your uh, Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53 this morning, we're continuing um, in this series called Nothing is Cooler Than the Cross. Is there anything cooler than the cross? No. No, no and I thought it was neat this morning how the words of the Lord came about the blood and about the cross. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be uh, talking about three truths from the cross. Three truths from the cross. Now they're not the only truths, but there's three of them that we're going to talk about this morning. And like I said, we're going to read Isaiah chapter 53, which is in the Old Testament. And so if you're not familiar with that, you're thinking, what could the Old Testament say about the cross? Well, it says everything about the cross, especially this this chapter we're going to read this morning. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit about ourselves. We're going to learn something about the Father. and We're going to learn something about Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. So um, we talked last week about how even in the evangelical church, that sometimes the cross is not, seen, not felt to be so cool anymore. We're taking it out of our logos. We're taking it off of our Letterheads, we're taking it off of our shirts, we're doing all those things because it just seems old-fashioned. But listen, the, we talked about last week about the cross being the center of everything, that everything is centered on the cross and what Jesus did there. And so everything that we believe today, everything that we teach today, all the things that we worship today, are, we worship and we believe because of what happened on the cross, right? And so the, there the blood of Jesus was shed to set us free and all those things. And at the towards the end of the service, we're going to take communion together and we're going to remember what Jesus did there. But so let's read Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in a dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was, like, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. 
but he was buried like a criminal, but he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. So guys, here's the, here's the big idea this morning. Sin is worse than we can imagine. God's love is greater than we can imagine. And his salvation is more available than we can imagine. So let's talk about the first one. Let's start with sin. Why'd you have to start there, Pastor? Let's, can we just skip over that one? Sin is worse than we can imagine. Sin is worse, it's more horrible, it's more ugly than we want to, think, we want to even think about. We, we don't want to go there. Because why? We've all sinned. And we all sin in our life. And, and so we like to look at sin like this. Your sins are horrible. My sins, they're not so bad. But all sin, all sin is horrible and costly and ugly and terrible. It's what drove Jesus to the cross. See, we want to blame people for who crucified. It was Judas' fault. It's Judas hadn't betrayed him. Well, it was the Jews' fault because they're the ones in the, you know, crucify him, crucify him. It was the Romans who put him on the cross. It was Pilate who couldn't make up his mind and he was being waffling and gave in to the crowd. But here's the thing. Who sent Jesus to the cross? It was me and you. It was our sin that put him on the cross. It was our sin. John Stott said it this way. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. By us. And so the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that it was for our rebellion that he was crushed. By, it was our sin that he took to the cross. It was our sin. So here's the thing, guys. If sin wasn't that horrible... Would God ever send his own son to die on a cross? If the only way to pay for our sin was to send his only son to die on a horrible, terrible cross, we've got to know that sin's terrible. And so let's talk about what sin is and what sin isn't. Sin is not just a crime that we want the courts to fix. And sometimes we want to just talk about sin. If we could just pass enough laws and if the police would do their job, then all is, that's not what it is. Sin's not a disease for doctors to fix. And sometimes we want to talk about sin in terms of it's a disease or it's, it's a condition. Sin's not anyone else's fault. We would all like to blame our parents and our grandparents in society, in culture, in the schools, and the government, and everybody else for the reason that we sin. But it all comes down to this. We choose to sin. Amen. 
And when we choose to sin, we're choosing to rebel against God because here's what sin is. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is being self-centered and selfish. Sin is saying to God, I know what you said, but I'm going to do it my way. And we usually don't say that out of our mouth, but listen, when we know that something is sin and we choose to do it anyway, it's not our parents' fault. It's not culture's fault. It's our fault. And listen, listen, I know that there are things, you know, there's, there's generational things that sometimes we carry and the way that we were raised has a part to play in, in how we think and how we view the world. And there is things in culture, but when it comes right down to it, listen, God would not punish someone for sins if it was their parents' fault. And I think we know as adults in the room that we have a choice. And so we choose to sin. We choose to rebel. And what the enemy wants to come along and tell us is your sins aren't so bad. Don't worry about it. God's good with it. God loves you. He's going to love you anyway. Sin is deadly. Sin's ugly. Sin's so horrible that there was no other way to pay for our sin other than the blood of Jesus. A perfect sacrifice. Think of it this way. If it didn't require Jesus' blood to cover your sin, sending Jesus to the cross was just cruel. Why would you send your own son to die on a cross if it wasn't necessary? But the only thing that would cover your sin, and the only thing that covered my sin, the only thing that would cover all the sins of the world was the perfect blood of Jesus. And so it was our sin that put him on the cross. And our sin is still the thing that separates us from God. Every time we sin, it brings separation. Every time we sin, every time we rebel against God, every time that we decide to choose our own way, it brings a little separation between us and God. And the reason God sent his son was because he wanted us to be in perfect relationship with him. He wanted there to be a way for us to be in relationship with him that, that had been broken when sin entered the earth, right? We talked about that last week. And so God said, I want to send my son because sin is so ugly and sin is so horrible. And here's the thing. We, we sometimes want to think of sin like, well, God, you, you, you're just mad at me because I'm not doing it your way. Why, why do you get to say who's, what's right and what's wrong? Well, one, he created everything, including you. He is the God of the universe, and he's righteous and perfect. But, but let me ask you this. What kind of reaction do you have when you hear the word cancer? Has anybody ever seen, watched someone that you love suffer and die from cancer? So how do you feel when you hear the word cancer? You hate it, don't you? You hate it. Why? Because you know how destructive and how ugly it can be. Anybody watch anybody die of drug addiction? Die of alcoholism? And so when you 
hear about drug addiction or you hear about alcoholism, it, it causes this reaction inside of you because you know how ugly it is and you hate the stuff, you hate the thing because you've seen how bad it can be in someone's life and you see how destructive it can be to someone's very life and their family and all those things. That's why we hate those things. That's one of the reasons God hates sin because he says, I see when you sin how destructive it is in your life. It's not me just trying to be mean and say you can't do a bunch of stuff, but I know as the God of the, of the universe, the king of the universe that knows everything, I know when you begin to do these things, it's destructive to you. It causes pain in you. And I love you so much, I don't want you to have to go through that. And then there's the fact that God is righteous and holy and perfect. And the Bible says that he cannot let sin approach him and he cannot be in the presence of sin and sin cannot be in the presence of him because he's so perfect. And I know that we have a hard time understanding that because we're not perfect. But to make light of sin is to diminish who God is. It's to diminish his righteousness and holiness. It's to diminish the fact that he's a righteous and just God. And at the same time, it elevates us to a place of much more importance than we really are. For us to say that sin's not terrible, for sins, that sin's not a big deal, is for us to make ourselves really important and God not so important. But when we understand who God is and that he's righteous and perfect and holy... And that when people like Isaiah came into his presence, they said, God, forgive me. I'm, a righteous, I'm an unholy man. I've got unclean lips. When Peter comes in the presence of God, he says, For God, I'm, I'm this unclean man. When people come into the presence and the holiness of God, they realize how unholy they are. And for us to play around with sin like it's no big deal is for us to really think a lot of ourselves and not much about God. And that's just the truth of it. And for us to blame anyone else or anything else is just, is just casting off our own responsibility for the fact that we are the ones who choose to sin. And so this morning, we got to realize, guys, that sin is powerful. It's not something to play around with. It's not something to say, I know what the Bible says, but I'll live a different way. Because God loves me and he's okay with it and he'll do whatever to take care of me because I'm so special. Sin is powerful. And it will take you down. And if it's not dealt with, it'll send you to hell. That's how horrible and ugly it is. And see, God said that for me to be a just God... For me to be a righteous God, I have to deal with it. I have to punish sin. And the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And so when we sin, from our very first sin, very first sin, we've earned death. We've earned separation from God. We've earned hell. That's what we've earned and, and we don't like to think of a God who would send anyone to hell but if he didn't he would not be just what do we think about judges who let murderers off when you hear about someone who is blatantly guilty and the judge lets them off we think where's the justice in that but we expect God to just let us off just because 
And so he says, I have to punish sin because it's disobedience, it's rebellion against me. It's so ugly, it's so terrible, I have to punish him. Now, now it's going to get better. Hang with me, guys. Those of you all getting ready to run right now, stick in your seats, it's going to get better. Because here's the thing, God has the answer for all that, right? God has the answer for that. But here's, I think God wants us to know how ugly it is and what it'll do to you and where it'll take you. Second thing, hallelujah, we're moving on. God's love is greater than we can imagine. So here, here's the thing. God could have, and Adam and Eve said, I'm done with humanity. God could have said, everyone who commits the first sin goes to hell, and we'd all go to hell. God could have done a lot of things because he was in his rights to do that because he's God, right? But he chooses because he loves us that he's going to provide a way for us to deal with this ugliness of sin. See, it was death is what we earned and what we deserve because he's perfectly righteous and he's perfectly holy. And when our sin cannot stand in his presence, but God loved us. And God, with his unfailing love, his perfect love pursued us all the way to the cross. He said, because I love you, I'm willing to give up my very best, my son Jesus. I'm willing to watch him suffer and die on a cross because I love you. Even though you have sinned and even though I know you will continue to sin and even though there will be days when you will rebel and even when you will do the worst things that you could even imagine I still love you and I'm going to send Jesus to pay for that that's love that's love it's really see the cross is really all about love it's, it's about grace which is when you think about grace, we call it unmerited favor, but it's also love to the undeserving. If you think about grace as love to the undeserving, because we have a way as, as people of loving people who are lovable, loving people who love us back, loving people who agree with us, and people who disagree with us, or people who are hard to get along with, we just choose not to love, or we say, well, I can't love them, they're too hard to love. But God loved us when we were the most unlovable. And God continues to love the unlovable. And that's why we as followers of Christ need to also love the unlovable. Because God set the example of loving those who were hard to love, loving those who were different. And John 15, 13 says, There's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. In John 3, 16, we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so despite the fact that we all have this ugly, horrible, terrible sin in our life, God loved us enough to send a way, to find a way, to create a way, to make a way for us to get over that and get through that. And how did he do it? By sending his son, Jesus, to the cross. 
to die for us. It was in love. Jesus endured judgment in our place. Isaiah 53, he took our judgment upon him. When they were crucifying him, they thought they were crucifying for his sins. They thought it was a blasphemer, a rebeller, all those things. They thought it was him, but the whole time he was dying for our sins. And he took our judgment upon him. And he took our curse upon him. And he took our sins upon him. And he took our sickness upon him. And he took our grief upon him. And he took all those things that had been brought on us by sin in the world on him. And he nailed them to the cross with him. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us. And he continues to love us. And on the cross in love, he made a way for us to be in right relationship with him to receive forgiveness and, and be in relationship with him. While he was on the cross, we know if you read through the Gospels that while he was on the cross, the, the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies was torn in two. God's saying, from now on, you can come into my presence because of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, now you don't have to stand on the outside. You can come into my presence because why? What, remember what Isaiah said about, he said that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, God with us, because he wants perfect relationship with us. Third thing, salvation is more available than we can imagine. So here's the thing. Jesus paid for our salvation with his blood. What can you add to that? If he paid for it with his perfect blood, what can you add to that that's more valuable? We don't have anything. Jesus has already paid for it. And sometimes we try to come to salvation by saying, if I can just be good enough, if I can, get, if I can overcome this, if I, can, if I can earn my way, and there are, religions all over this world that are teaching that you have to earn your way into heaven and it's by works. Listen, there's no works that you can ever do to match up with the value of the blood of Jesus. And he's already paid for it, right? And so on the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. It is finished. So what's there left for you to do? Jesus did it all. On the cross, he shed the bl his blood to pay for our sins. On the cross, he did the perfect work. He completed what God sent him to do on the cross. And when he said it is finished, he meant I finished what I was sent to do. I finished everything from eternity on. It's done. It's done. And so now all you have to do is just come to me and believe me and follow me and declare me as Lord and make me your Lord because I've already paid the price. And man, the enemy wants to beat us up. But telling us, well, you, you, you can't get there because you're not good enough. You've done all these things. Listen, yes, that's horrible. Yes, it's bad. And some of us have done some bad things. But the blood of Jesus covers it all. Covers it all. Listen, the blood of Jesus can cover the sins of Paul who was trying to persecute the church and killing Christians and putting them in jail. He can cover our sins. Right? Same blood covers all of our sins. And so salvation is not this thing that we have to crawl on our knees and 
beg and plead and hope that one day that we'll finally be good enough that God will accept us. It's really just saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. And coming to him and, and confessing that we have sinned and that on the cross that Jesus paid for it. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. So let me talk about this real quick. So we can come to Jesus and be saved by grace through faith. Grace is that undeserved. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. The Bible says that it has to be that way or we'd be boasting about, yeah, I made it in and you didn't. <laughs> we can't boast about it because it's nothing that we have done. It's all the blood of Jesus. And once we're under the blood of Jesus, Romans 8, 1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we are set free from that. Amen? But I want you to hear this part as well. Just because we're covered by grace and because we're covered by the blood doesn't give us a license to keep sinning. Read Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. Those chapters, Paul addresses this stuff. He said, so because of grace, does that mean we just keep on sinning? No. Should we sin more so his grace will abound more? No. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we should be driven to live as righteous a life as possible. Instead of trying to take advantage of the grace that God has given us. Because man, he paid a powerful price for us, didn't he? Man, he, went, he paid a lot for our sins. He paid a lot for our salvation. And so we should just be declaring every day, God, you are my Lord. I want to live my life for you. I want to live a, a, a life that's righteous and holy. Because you love me so much, I don't want to hurt you. And God's made a way for us to be covered, or our sins to be covered. And then he tells us in the Bible that if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And, we, and so that's, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that mean? It means that every time I mess up is, as a follower of Christ, I just go back to the cross. And I say, God, I, I sinned against you. I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm better than somebody else. I sinned against you. I sinned. I, did, I, I rebelled against you. I'm allowing things in my life that I know are not pleasing to you, so please forgive me. And he promises us as long as we keep going back to him in repentance that he'll forgive us. Amen? So if you're here this morning and You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're thinking, okay, so what, what, if I can't earn it, I can't pay for it, what, what do I do? The Bible's pretty clear. One, we have to confess that we have sinned. We have to come to the point where we realize that I'm not saved. I'm not perfect. I'm not on my way to heaven. I have sinned. And then we thank God for what he did on the cross thank him for the blood of Jesus, we then ask him to come into our life and take over. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we declare that he is Lord, that means we have to tell somebody. 
that he'll move right in. He'll come right into our life. And we become a new creation. Isn't that good? And so if we realize how ugly sin is and how terrible it is, but we realize how easy salvation is, then we've got to know that the love of God is greater than anything we can ever imagine. That he's, he's, he loves us more than we could ever, ever really comprehend on this side of eternity. And God's made a way for that. So before we, we get into the altar service, I'd like us to take communion together today because Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. And it's interesting because the thing that Jesus told us to do to remember him he tells us to remember his death. He, he didn't really say, do this in remembrance of my birth. He didn't say, do this in remembrance of my resurrection, although we celebrate those things, and we should, and we should commemorate those and remember those things. But the thing he told us to do, to always do when we gather together, those, to continue to do throughout eternity until he comes back to remember him, is to remember what he did on the cross. Why? Because the cross is where he paid the price. The cross is where he won the victory. The cross is where the devil was beaten. The cross is where his blood was shed, right?